Hello, everyone. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast was recorded and is made available to you by Whitley Penn LLP and WP Wealth LLP solely for informational purposes. The information, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast are general in nature and are not intended to be construed as the provision of financial or investment advice by Whitley Penn or WP Wealth. The information discussed in this podcast is accurate as of the day it was recorded, but may then become outdated over time. Please feel free to contact us if you have any questions, comments, or concerns in regard to the content presented. Thank you again for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the next installment of Start Now, Success Later. My name is Brandon Russ, and I'm an associate advisor here at Whitley Penn and the WP Wealth Group. Today, I have my colleague Shane Miller here with me to discuss the importance of budgeting, debt management, and savings. Shane is a partner here in the Wealth Group. Shane, how's it going today? I'm good. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for coming on. Um, so, Shane, budgeting, it's a lot. Um, it's pretty high level, but still a lot to cover. Uh, where should I start? I guess like anything you got to start at the beginning and when you're starting out you really um, I think what happens is people get really rigid about it and they say you know I've got to have everything fit in a box but the reality is life doesn't happen that way and so when you build a budget really what you're trying to do is start good habits and what I mean by that is what are my fixed expenses what are my variable expenses but am I tracking money coming in and going out? You know, am, is more going out than coming in? Um, and, and more creating an awareness of where your money goes, um, you know, what your gross versus your net income is. Um, you know, are you saving any portion of your of your funds, or is it just going to, you know, debt service, or is it you know just uh, making ends meet? And so, I think. It helps to think a little bit more long term about it, um, and say I want to uh, you know begin with the end in mind that by starting these good habits now, um, I'm actually creating a reward for myself at some point in the future, which is you know uh, a better balance sheet, more stability, um, and um, and so th- that's how I started. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think for me, a uh, big thing was, you know, once you separate your variable and fixed expenses, um, those fixed expenses automate the process right away. Uh, kind of takes it off your back, um, you know, makes it a lot easier in my opinion at least. Yeah, and automation's great. I think um, I think that people get kind of comfortable with put everything on the credit card and then pay it off, but the, the credit card is kind of tricky because there's not really a hard stop there, right? You know, you can qualify for a large credit limit and that can lose an element of control. And so what I encourage people to do is, like you said, automate your fixed expenses, but then, you know, for your variable expenses, put some sort of cap on it, right? Um, so use something like a debit card. Set up a, 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 I've got two checking accounts. I got my fixed checking and my variable checking. and. Uh, every month I load a certain amount that is going to be variable for for life and when that runs out you know I cut it off right 
and it's it, we never get to that point, but it's the threat of it right. that uh, that keeps you in check. So um, you know, as far as updating your budget, you know, making adjustments as you go along, how often should someone you know kind of tweak it, uh, look back at it, uh, make any adjustments needed? So obviously, I do this for a living, so I probably spend a lot more time on it than your average bear, but. You know, I look at mine uh, monthly, and I, I built my own worksheet. Um, and uh, as everything goes out, I I kind of reconcile it. Um, I think I mean it's not something you need to look at daily, you know. But um, but if, if you're finding that you're slipping uh, on your monthly, yeah, maybe give it a little bit more attention. But as you get into a routine, you know, monthly maintenance is good, and then you know life throws things at you so okay you know I got a promotion I'm gonna have more money coming in I probably need to make a decision about what to do with this new money could I put it into my 401k and maintain my lifestyle and that's a better move for me or you know the car is getting a little bit old I need to start putting some money aside for that um, so I think life events uh, give it extra attention but at least monthly you should kind of know where you're at yeah um, I look at mine at least monthly as well, but you know, like you said, I'm in the industry and we kind of geek out on this stuff more than most people. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what if, uh, let's say, you know, I'm on commission based salary. Mm -hmm. Um, so my monthly income fluctuates every month. What's the best way to tackle a budget if that's the case? Ooh, that's a tough one. So what you what you got to try to do is normalize your income stream. And so you're going to have the peaks and valleys. If there's any seasonality to it, that can help with planning. But um, if it's, you know, roll the dice every month, what I try to do is get as lean as you can and make sure that you build up a core, uh, like an emergency fund or a buffer um, that's got six, eight months Maybe longer. I don't know. You know, it depends on the industry and how big the fluctuations are. But I would get the emergency fund built up first because that's gonna that's gonna insulate you from really having you know feast and famine periods. Yeah, um, the emergency fund is you know always a great thing to have in your back pocket, um, not just for emergencies, but also in case anything. That, you know, like you said, a large purchase, a car, maybe you could dip into that a little bit or something along those lines. Um, what common mistakes should I be mindful of as I'm going through constructing my budget or, you know, even tweaking it? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, I, I have a lot of audible books that are constant rotation. And there was one I read last year that everybody's always told me is the holy grail of financial books and I finally read it but uh, The Millionaire Next Door right mm -hmm. and they talk about um, money the way you think about money and, and, and building a budget and saving all of it it really comes down to a mentality more than anything um, so they call them PAWs prodigious accumulators of wealth or UAWs underachieving accumulators of wealth and so the the common mistakes are those of the UAW, right? Living beyond your means and um, and borrowing uh, too much, or not understanding where your interest rates are, or um, uh, delaying uh, in investing and, and things like that. So um, those those are the things that the UAWs subscribe to, and they it, those are hard things to ever really get out of. You have to have a, a change in your spirit, really, of 
how I'm going to go about life and participate almost. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, you gotta be, you gotta be realistic, but I mean, we see it. Most of the clients that we work with, these aren't necessarily folks that have, Oh man, I'm making $10 million a year. There's certainly those people, but a majority of, of people that become wealth planning clients have been savers their whole life. They know where every single dollar is. They value wealth planning, and that's why they want to have this discussion. They're taking their their habits to a new level. Right. right. Um, you're actually so. This is our second episode of this podcast, and uh, on the first episode, they also uh, our guests also mentioned Millionaire Next Door. So, guys, if you're listening, uh, probably a sign to uh, read the book. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and I'll add to that. So. Um, that that's a very old book, so some of the like examples are outdated. But there's a there's a newer book called The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel, which is kind of a refreshed look at some of the core principles of Millionaire Store. Yeah, another great book you guys should check out as well. Um, but um, I know you said that you know you kind of built your own spreadsheet to keep track of your budget. Um, it is a very helpful spreadsheet. I use it as well, actually. Um, but what other resources um, do you suggest people look at? Um, is it best for people to build their own? Um, use resources already out there? Is it kind of a personal preference thing? It, it is a personal preference thing. There's a ton of technology that can plug in, which is really nice. But what I found with a lot of those is you have to kind of handhold it at the beginning because like Mint or uh, uh, Personal Capital, they'll categorize things uh, generically uh, that maybe don't fit into the appropriate category. So you kind of got to tailor it and watch it and, and groom it to, to be what you want it to be. Um, whatever helps you kind of keep things in check, keep you honest, um, that's worthwhile. I, I like building my own because I, you know, I make notes in the margins or, you know, I get a down payment for the house or, you know, some something broke and I need to fix, you know, stuff like that happens and you can kind of say, this is a weird year or a weird month. Give me a break. Um, but, uh, but I actually, I use two different worksheets. So I, I have my budget worksheet. Um, and also by the way, in your budget worksheet, you can keep all your login information. So if you change banks, you don't have to go hunt down everything. Um, and then I, I have a worksheet. I call it the master plan, which is, you know, your income, uh, gross and net each year with some projection of uh, an estimate of growth and bonuses and okay so what am I going to net what do I expect to net over the next 50 years each year and then at what point um, will my debt retire and at what point um, will if I have a, a rate of return assumption on my 401k and Roth and after tax accounts and savings assumptions what could I project my net worth to be at 50? What, what could it be when I'm ready to retire? What, when could I retire? You know, and so that, that's a straight line assumption, but it, it, for me, it gives me a little bit of peace of mind that like, I don't have to worry every single day that's like, well, I'm just you know, I'm not accumulating enough. You know, it, it takes time and it gives you that broader perspective of like, I'm doing the right thing. I'm on the right track. If this assumption works out, being in shape. Gotcha. 
So uh, I know part of a lot of younger people's budget um, is debt. Uh, most of the payments going out are either you know credit cards, student loans, car payments, what have you. Is it always a bad thing to have debt on your budget? Depends on the type of debt, right? There's you know there's what we call good debt and bad debt, right? You know having having a mortgage isn't necessarily a, a bad thing, um, and and it's not. It, it's more the rates that are painful, right? So, so if you have a high rate structure, really what that's doing is that's creating drag on your ability to accumulate. And so you want to reduce it to the extent you can. But having, you know, having a mortgage is is very normal, right? Um, and uh, you may be able to get a mortgage interest deduction. There's certain benefits that are associated with good debt, but uh, the credit card the, that's not good. You know, the student loans. And, and what's interesting about student loans, um, you know, you hear about SoFi and all these debt consolidators. I personally am a little wary of some of those just because what we're seeing is a lot of discussion around student loan forgiveness. And they're kind of throwing some ranges around out there. But if you consolidate into a private loan, it's not eligible for forgiveness. So if that's on the table and you can live with your rate, you may keep a little bit of your federal loans out there. Um, but of course, if you have you know high interest rates, you get eight percent, something crazy like that, you you got to eliminate that. Um, and, and even if it is through a consolidation, um, it's it's worth doing and get it off your back. Um, but you know, I mean, we build uh, we call them debt snowball worksheets. So if I apply this payment across my various loans, they'll, you know, retire at certain periods and we just, you know, that debt service rolls to the next one until ultimately you've got kind of this compounding effect of all my debt is is now gone. Yeah. I'm actually glad you touched on student loans. Um, right now, because of COVID, um, you know, some student loans are uh, actually in forbearance, no interest is accruing. So maybe if you have uh, other debts, you could focus that debt payment um, like you're saying on the snowball effects to other debts that you have outstanding, which may be accruing interest at this time. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and if, if a majority of your debt is student loan debt um, and, and you've got the emergency fund set, set up and, and you're paying all of your other bills, um, you know, I think of it as what a gift, you know, I mean, I just got this period of time where you know, I can make a bigger impact on accelerating my payoff because I don't have interest. Mm -hmm. And so to the extent you can, you know, stay the course, uh, I think that's a really good move. But but also, if you had higher interest rates, definitely makes sense to allocate your dollars there. Yeah, I think it really depends on the situation, personal preference, things like that. Um, so what if, you know, I'm fresh out of school, um, I have no debt, I'm really lucky, and uh, what do I do with all this extra money in my budget? So I think, you know, uh, I think based on your income, you, you want to start looking at what are the tax advantaged ways I can save, right? So uh, After emergency fund. Absolutely. Yeah. After you get the emergency fund square, you know, I'd look at, okay, does a does a Roth or an IRA make sense um, based on my income? And that decision really is based on uh, do I expect 
my income tax rate is going to be higher in the future or lower in the future. So, um, you know, as as you go through your career, your earnings go up. You're really looking for tax deferral. I don't want to pay right now. I'll pay when I'm retired. But early in your career, you're probably like, this is great. I'll pay tax at this level. I'll, I'll contribute to a Roth, mm-hmm. right? Something like that. Um, and your 401k, most 401ks have tax deferred and Roth options. Um, so I'd hit those buckets first. Um, and then um, and then after you've, you've filled those up, everything else is uh, accumulation mode. Would you mind breaking down real quick uh, the difference between Roth versus traditional for yeah. some of our listeners? Absolutely. So uh, traditional uh, contributions mean we're going to lower our adjusted gross income and that those dollars go into a tax advantage account like 401k or IRA and you don't pay capital gains, dividends or interest on uh, those funds as they grow. And at some point in the future, when you retire, you take those out and then you pay ordinary income on it. Um, but uh, the Roth option is, I'll, I'll go ahead and take the tax hit now. Then the, those funds go into a, a Roth or, a, or Roth 401k and they're tax-free forever, um, which is really unique. Um, and so obviously people like tax-free. Um, the, the only downside of it is you have to take the hit on the front end. Um, so it's really about expectations for the future. Um, and uh, you know you wanna get as much money in uh, those vehicles as possible because a couple of things, they're creditor protected, um, which means somebody can't sue you and come get it. Um, now, if you get divorced, there's a way to get half of it, but that's another topic. Uh, <laughs> that's probably not for this life. audience. Uh, and uh, but the uh, the assets are, uh, are are tax advantage, and and when you're young, you want to take a pretty good amount of risk on it because uh, you're not going to be accessing the funds for a while, and so um, you know you've got a long horizon for them to flourish. Yeah, and I know that we tell our clients um, of the three vehicles, you know, of savings, it's best to have a little bit of money in each of the three. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, kind of uh, following along with you know what we said with debt management, how um, you know automating some of those um, expenses could be beneficial. Kind of just take it out of your mind, out of the budget, so you're not really playing with that money. Would you say that that's a good idea for savings as well? Yes, absolutely. Because if you if you pay yourself like you pay a bill, it'll always happen, right? If if you think, well, whatever I've got left, I'll save, it, there won't be anything left. It, it just you you got to discipline yourself that X amount of dollars goes in my pocket for savings every month or every pay period. Um, and if you do that, um, you'll you'll find yourself you know a year two years later with a pretty good uh, little nest egg. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to come back to the emergency fund one more time. Um, so a lot of this would be sitting in cash so it's easily accessible. Is there, uh, you know, is a bank account really the best option for something like this or do you propose another vehicle, maybe a CD or a money market or, you know, what do you kind of tell your clients? Yeah, I, I'm a little unorthodox in this way. So I, I, I don't like to have any cash stagnant. 
Um, uh, so I, I have a line of credit that I use, uh, pay it off, um, but to the extent I need to get to cash quick, I can get to it. I get a really low interest rate on it. Um, and that way, every dollar is doing something. It's either reducing debt, it's paying uh, you know, for, for our needs, um, or it's being invested. And so, so that's a little bit un, unorthodox. And then another thing that I do is, you know, we we're talking about automation. Um, all of my fixed expenses, I run through on a credit card and I pay the fixed expenses on the credit card one time a month. It's the same payment every month. And then the, the variable account that I use, I put X dollars in there and that's what keeps us in check. That's kind of a buffer, right? Because if you let your variable be your credit card, it can get wild. Um, and so, <laughs> so you know, I think that that's, that's a pretty good system. But if you are going to accumulate cash, feel less comfortable with the line of credit, certainly a savings account, you're not going to get a good yield right now um, it, at most banks. Um, but it's accessible, you know, it's FDIC insured. So, you know, you, it's it's fine. It, it does what it needs to do. Really, it just sounds like um, as long as that money's accessible pretty easily, um, that's kind of all that matters. Yeah. All right, Shane, um, we're just about out of time. Um, do you have any closing thoughts to kind of wrap up these three topics? Yeah, I'd just say that the, the more you think about it, the more you build good habits, um, the better off you're going to be. Um, you know, use Audible. There's tons of online courses. There's tons of online Excel templates. There's, a, you know, just an endless world of resources out there that you can, you know, read and, uh, and learn and, and listen to different things um, and surround yourself with folks that have good habits, too. Um, because if if all of your friends are goofing around and living the high life, you're going to be doing the same thing. And uh, you got to think about who who am I at the end of the day? Is that who I aspire to be? Definitely. Um, all right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Um, please like, comment, subscribe to the Whitley Penn podcast channels wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, also, visit our website, wpwealth.com, and give us a follow on LinkedIn. We'll see you guys soon. Thanks.